What's up, everybody? It's your friend Isaac from Big Bike BMX. And uh, you guys, this is an episode that you've been waiting for. I know you've been waiting for it because I've been waiting for it. This is a bucket list thing for me. And once you once you see, I mean, you've probably seen the title already, so you know exactly what's about to happen. But you guys, we have one of my idols and uh, one of my, Craig, before, I'm, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to skip you, dude. Craig, introduce our guest and then we'll get into this because I'm so, I'm, I am hyped, you guys. Yeah, dude, every time I, I see you like this, man. I know you're hyped, man. It gets me so hyped, Isaac, dude. I can't wait to uh, to hear everything that's going to come out tonight, dude. I'm super stoked to have our guest tonight. He's an iconic guy in BMX racing, mountain bike, and the BMX industry in general. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the founder and president of Box Components, Mr. Toby Henderson. Welcome to the show, Toby. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Man, awesome. I am like a 12-year-old kid right now because... Uh, okay, you guys, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the backstory. If you don't follow me on Instagram and you don't follow, uh, Todd Lyons or SE racing on Instagram, every time Todd drops a, a preview of a, Hey, working on some things, or he shows a new bike, everyone jumps in or like, ah, oh, this is the new blah, blah, blah. And a hundred percent of the time, I always say it's the new Henderson hauler <laughs> because you guys, the first BMX bike that I ever got when I was nine years old, the very first, I was like, mom, I want to, I want a real BMX bike. It, it was, it was a dream come true. I woke up on Christmas morning and I had a Chrome and black Henderson hauler and it had nice. a free will. Yeah, dude. It had a free will and it had the pads and dude, I don't think I remember. I didn't open anything. <laughs> that was the only thing that I opened. And I just sat on my bike and was like waiting for like daylight to come out. Cause I was a little kid. I woke up early. I wake up, I call my best friend, Adam Perry. What's up, Adam. And, um, I call him. I was like, dude, I got a Henderson hauler. And he goes, dude, I got a Henderson hauler. And I was oh. like, dude, true story. I was like, no, you didn't. He goes, get over here. So I literally jumped on my Henderson hauler and little me, big bike. I'm like this, dude. I'm just like, I ride over to, <clears throat> I ride over to Adam Perry's house. I pull up and there's Adam. He had the blue one. I had the black one. And nice. dude, we shredded those bikes. So Toby, every time, <laughs> every time SE or Todd posts a new bike, I'm like Henderson hauler. And I think uh, we've actually created the Henderson hauler army. And, uh, you know, if you look at some of Todd's posts, you'll see that I get lots of likes and lots of, yeah, let's have a Henderson hauler. And now every time a Henderson hauler shows up on eBay, I get it sent to me every single time. And I love it. Everyone that does that to me, I appreciate you. So, dude. Yeah. I, I don't know why there's no Henderson hauler at SE. I, you know, I, I have my suspicions, but uh, we'll, we'll get into that, I guess. Dude. Okay. So. Also, the first the first thing I want to ask you, because I remember reading when I was a kid, um, and we as, as we all do, all the fans of our show grew up BMX Action Magazine, Toby Henderson, Coca-Cola Cowboy, right? Nickname? Yes. And, and not my uh, favorite, but yeah. Not, not your favorite. <laughs> so do you, I read somewhere that, that like, do you, do you know where that, that nickname came from other than Bob Osborne, right? Well, that I, I've said it before, but, uh, 
you know, when it all started and Bob was making heroes out of us, God bless him, you know, what he did for us. And, and we went to dinner and he's looking at me like, you know, you don't have a nickname. And we, it was brought up in the conversation. It's the first time I'd been out with Bob and I ordered a Dr. Pepper, man. That's all I got to say. So then the next day he's running ads and I'm Coca-Cola Cowboy. So I have no idea where that came from. It was all him. He gave it to me, and I thought it was the weirdest thing ever. But I also thought Hutch sleeves were weird, and I know now today I was wrong. So there you go. So all right. <laughs> so. Well, I'm I'm glad I'm glad I, th- this is my gift to you. <laughs> so uh, this morning, I called Bob Osborne in Livingston, Montana. No, I swear yeah. to God, I swear okay. to God, I called Bob, and I said, <laughs> "Hey, Bob," and he goes, "What's up, Isaac?" And I said, "Hey." I only have a couple minutes, bro, but I am interviewing Toby Henderson tonight. And he goes, I love Toby Henderson. Give him a kiss for me. And I was like, <laughs> all right, but you know, I was like, you, whatever Oz wants. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You got sure. it, Oz. I said, uh, I heard you gave Toby the, the nickname Coca-Cola Cowboy. He goes, I did. I was like, do you remember why? And here's the story. Uh, there was, there was, he had, he had a, I'm not going to say he had it. I'm going to say he had a few favorites is, is basically the way he said it. I had a few mm-hmm. favorites and uh, you and Jeff, Batem, is it Batima, Batema? Botima. Botima. Okay. Yeah. I've never heard it said. I've only just read it. So there we go. Botima. And Botima was very, uh, was a finesse writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toby was talent and Toby was good looking. All th- this is from Bob's mouth. Swear to God, put it on my kids. Uh, Toby's a good looking guy. The, the the fans loved him. The ladies loved him. So I thought the same way you just said, he was making rock stars, everyone. He goes, Coca-Cola Cowboy, and it stuck. And I was like, all right, man, I'm going to let him know. And he goes, all right, dude. So there you go, straight from, from Oz yeah, Osborne's yeah, mouth. I, I have no idea where he came up with it. You know, like I said, I had that night I had dinner with him for the first time I drank a Dr. Pepper, so I never knew the story. There you, there go. you go. Now we know. <laughs> so... Man, you you have had. Uh, I mean, you've been B- in BMX forever. Like you have. Wow. Is there a time when you haven't been on a bike? Like, is there? Yeah, between my mom or between my BMX career, and my mountain bike career, I, it was tough, man. I had to uh, work in a family business, which was insurance, and I hated that. So I did everything I could to get out of the family business and go on race bikes again, and that's how basically my mountain bike career started, which was actually a real successful for me. So. We'll talk about that, but yeah, that would be the only time. And during that entire time, I was lucky enough that my dad let me uh, let me train and ride my bike and try to become a cross country haunch, which I my body does not fit cross country mountain biking. So uh, yeah, I, I rode the entire time. I just didn't make money. Now, one thing I did do was, or I did have, and was lucky to have, is John Greger from JT actually paid me a salary from 1979 to 1998 consecutively for 20 years. He paid me enough basically to pay my house payment. So I have to give John Gregory all the, the, the property I own to give that kudos to him because I was the only guy that did. I think he did that for. And, and so during those tough years, when I wasn't making money riding my bike, John Gregory was paying me to, to wear JT. And, you know, it was awesome. And I actually talked to him a couple of days ago, came across a photo and sent it off to him. And he's one of the guys that made it happen. So anyway, yeah, I was really lucky in that sense to, to, have 24 years as a rider, but there was some tough times between BMX and mountain bike for sure. Yeah. yeah. I got to say one of the things, Toby, you know, I've, I've, I've posted your picture. I've posted your, your BMX photos on my page for years now. And, you know, there's such, 
I love the advertisements from back then, first of all, but I got to say, you know, looking at, you know, I was doing some research, looking at your, your past, your accomplishments, it looked like, you know, from such a young age, you know, around 12 years old, you were getting into, uh, you know, races and, and, and just having the spotlight. One of the things that I found most intriguing was the LA Coliseum uh, race. Uh, I think it was like 79 or something like that. Is that around the time that that was, uh, are you talking about the story when I, when I wanted to turn pro and all that? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because so, that seemed to be like such a memorable moment. Can you elaborate a little on that one? Yeah, it's 78. Uh, it was actually um, the Lakers Stadium, which was the Lakers indoor stadium next to the Coliseum at the time, which was this round dome thing. And the, the, the story goes, I was racing motorcycles. So from the time I was, you know, I like two wheels, whatever. So I was started right when I come, I can get my license. I kind of quit racing BMX as a youngster and was going to motocross. And um, so all week long, I would dig a ditch and I would get my money. And I'd go buy a tire for this motorcycle and I'd go race that motorcycle. That's what I was doing for, I don't know, about a year and a half in high school. Anyway, Jeff Potimo was a friend of mine and we kind of knew him through local people and kind of a hero at the time. So um, Jeff says, hey, why don't you come out to a BMX race? um in downey which is a local park by us our local city and park and so i went over to downey to watch jeff race his bike at 3 p.m i'll never forget 3 p.m on a sunday afternoon i think i'd raced my motorcycle that morning at saddleback and i came back down and and uh went over to this park jeff wins you know for the pro class he wins three hundred dollars and i'm like what the hell so the next morning i sold that motorcycle Literally, the next motors that, that next morning, I think I got $1,200 for it. Went straight to Ralph's Bicycles and bought by far the best bike I could get my hands on, which was a red line, right? So, you know, white spokes and just bullseye hub, everything I could get for that all, all in. And the goal was to go to this race at the, the forum, this was called Lakers Forum, next to the Coliseum. And if you win 16 novice, you can become a pro. 16 novice or 16 whatever 16 and over what was called novice was basically you had to go through that to become a pro absolutely went to that event so i can get my pro license to win nothing else mattered for three or four months between selling that motorcycle and getting that bike to go win this race but i get to the race and uh i get to the first turn and i'm in second <laughs> and i just hammer this guy in front of me i don't know who it was just basically knock him out of my way. And I went on to win that race. And um, anyway, winning the race, it, it turned me pro. So Jeff and I were friends. He's writing for DG and he gets me on the DG team. And next thing you know, I'm pro. And I'm going for this because I want that $300. That's what I, it's like. I want to quit digging ditches at this point in my life, right? That's what I did for a living. So <laughs> anyway, that's how it all kind of started, you know, and, and then it turned on to whatever we're going to talk about next. But yeah, that was... Uh, very, very, uh, uh, I don't know. That was a turning point for sure to give up that motorcycle and to go make money riding a bicycle. So that is fantastic, dude. That's so yeah. great. Everyone, yeah. every, man, because we all had that one job, man. <laughs> Mine was Wiener Stencil, dude. Wiener Stencil <laughs> was the worst job <laughs> I ever had. And then, uh, but yeah, dude, I mean, and, and honestly, I got to tell you, man, you were so gracious. Uh, I'm going back to my childhood, you know, just for a second because uh, I told you, I, I texted you the story, but uh, so. This would have been, man, God, 82, maybe 83. I don't know, man. I've fallen on my head a lot. So I, dates are horrible for me, but that's my so, joke. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just saying, dude. Um, 
So uh, my mom takes me to, we, we lived in, in Lodi, which is right next to Stockton. And we went to mm-hmm. the Stockton fairgrounds um, to see the, 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 the big, B, like the big BMX race. So I want to say, I think it was ABA, I think was, was the, the, the sanctioning body back then, I think. Um, but anyway, man, I get there and towards Stockton, this was before they had the, the, the tunnel. And so this was like the first, the first design that I like Stockton went through two designs. This is the first design and you were at the tent. The SE tent was right after the finish line over on the right-hand side. And I'm walking by and I see you sitting there and I'm like, uh, and I just stop and my mom's like, what's go- like, like, what's going on? And I was like, that's Toby Henderson. That's my bike mom. And um, she, she goes, Hey, can we had a Polaroid camera, you guys. That's how old long, like, long it was. <laughs> she goes, hey, can you take a picture with my son? And I was like, I, I dude, white. I turned white. I was like, mom, oh, my God. I can't believe you just did this. I was so embarrassed and terrified. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, come here. And so I go over in there, and I'm, I'm like, just standing there. And you're like, and I was like, I have your bike. I, I remember I didn't look you in the eye. I was so scared. I was just like, I have your bike. <laughs> and you were like, that's cool, man. You want to sit on mine? I was like. Uh, no, no, I don't want, of course I did, but I was like, no, I don't want to, I, my mom's like, get up on the bike, get up on the bike. So I sit on the bike. So I have literally, well, now it's an orange picture because it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's been a hundred years for me. I was going to so, say a hundred. <laughs> yeah. And it's, here I am little me like on your bike like this, you're standing behind me. Perfect pose, dude. And and I got to tell you, man, I remember I, to this day, like I remember that entire interaction and I appreciate it so much, but um, do you, do you have like a favorite, do you remember like a favorite track or a favorite race that you had? If you had to pick like, you know, one that was like, and it doesn't even have to be like, man, I won this, but just a, a, a time when you were like, man, this was, this was a pure BMX race where you were like everything. It's just one of those things. Like I, I rode flatland. So I, I can tell you like, man, I remember a contest that I didn't win, but man, I had such a good time at and I'm just trying to think, like, man, what what was that for you? Well, I think I think the most memorable one is winning the the 1983 MBL Grands. Um, but I think it was a period of time where I be I I went from Coca Cola Cowboy to Captain Elbows, right? It was a period of time. There was a there was a period of time, and and Oz did call me that, and it's in whatever magazine. Who knows anymore the dates? But but. There was a period of time and it was about a girl and it was all these things going on in my life where I was winning all the time. And it was it was it was probably very profound because when you got to that position and you're beating Stuart and you're beating Greg and you're beating these guys on a regular basis and your nickname goes from this Coca-Cola cowboy to Captain Elbows because you're you're feared. I think that was a time that uh, was really special to me because I was the guy to beat. And I, and I said, it was kind of girl driven, but I was in a good place at the time. And I went to the NBL grands and uh, Duker from Oakley stand up and I draw lane one. Right. And I like the track. It's a downhill doubles in the first turn. He's like, you can win this. And he's rubbing my back and getting my Oakley's on. And, and there's a picture hangs in my office now that, that Oz put out. And the caption, as it shows me winning, going into the first turn of first and basically said, if you ever seen a, a pro main, you don't know how brutally fast these guys are. And that was special because in this photo, I'm leading Gray, Harry, 
Patterson's, uh, Eddie King, just the, 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 everybody. And what's the, the biggest thing to me is in the photo, everybody in that race was one digit, right? I was number seven. Everybody in the photo has one digit on their bike. So for me, it's like, okay, the system works. There's 10 fast dudes or there's not, I'm sorry, there's nine numbers with one digit, right? Nine. That's all we get. Right. And one guy didn't make it. Stewart, number one, he didn't make the main that time. He was number one at the time, but, but it, it worked. The system worked. You went through motos, quarters, semis, you get to the final and you got the best eight guys. Right. Minus Stewart <laughs> in that case, he's usually in most of them. Right. Anyway. So, yeah, I think that that was probably the time when I won that. And then I went on to win the cruiser and put six thousand dollars cash, just cash from that day in my pocket and not, not including the contingencies and all that kind of stuff. And but I think that I remember driving. We drove home. We were so celebrating. We should get a car and drive. This has been a, been a great day. And and. Uh, that would probably be a period and or a race, but there's so many good ones. There's so many Narder Park in Long Beach that Scott put on, you know, with, we had to jump over the water hole. Then the ESPN series, which was really crazy with the big money and all that and how fast we all were and how competitive it was. So, yeah, there's a lot of them, but I think that period, that one race, that period of time when I was winning all the time was really good. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that period of time, it's like you, and you just named them off. You had Stuart, you had Eddie King, you had Greg Hill and on and on and on and yourself. It's just like the all-star lineup there. Did you, I mean, were you ever like not fearful, but did you go, Oh man, I know this is going to be a, a head on with whatever, right? Like what rider did you go, man, me and him, this could go, this could yeah. go head to head real hard. And, and I mean, well, did you ever? I mean, just like, I have different oh, man, takes on that. I hope I hope Stu doesn't make the main. <laughs> well, there's always Stuart, right? And I, I actually, if I ever going to say yeah. anything, I think Stuart's probably the greatest BMXers of all time. BMXer of all time it, it, for me, you know. Even though David Clinton's my hero and he inspired me, and then I had to clash with Harry Larry, but now we're buddies, you know. Um, um, but I think Stuart is probably the best of all time, you know, in my opinion. If I had to ever pick a person, it'd be Stuart by far. Um, but no, I had a clash with Harry on his home tracks. I was trying to win that race. I was going out to Azusa and I had to go against Harry and I had to show up against Harry on a regular Wednesday and Friday night. And to do so on his home track was, was very difficult. Um, but the funny thing about it, you guys probably like the story is I knew these guys, you know, right out of high school. I wasn't at the keg party. I was at the BMX track and I missed my entire after high school friends deals because I was gone every weekend and we were racing and even these guys were my nemesis at the time they all became my friends now at least most of them Stuart and I get along really well Harry and I get along really well Eddie Perry Kramer these guys right Patterson brothers we we, we can talk now and then um but anyway um it was the funny thing was I knew these guys I knew how they rode and I could predict my day in a moto with them. I knew to stay away from Tommy Bracken's elbows. I knew if Anthony was in front of me, don't follow him. I knew these things. So the people I feared the most, and you'll probably enjoy this one, was when I would go off to some Midwest race and you got the local hero, right? And the local hero could transfer along the way and make it all the way up to the semis, usually not the main, but they, so you, you at this race, and, oh, yes, Harry's over there, and it's great. I got it all figured out, right? I don't know how I'm going to do today. But here's a guy who's local, who's fast, right? And he's going really fast. That's the guy who I feared because I didn't, I was unknown. 
I didn't know about this guy. We're at his track. He's local. People are paying attention to him. How do I beat this guy? I have no, no idea about him. The sad part about that is when it got to the main event or the semi, somewhere around there, that guy kind of disappeared because the real bulls came out and the real bulls were the ones who were going from race to race to race to race. And you just can't beat that experience or that tenure, I would say, uh, uh, every weekend of racing against the guys at that level, you're just going to go with them or you're going to fail. Right. So I was lucky to go through all that. And I always want to give credit to my sponsors for allowing that Raleigh being the first one who actually paid my way to travel around the world. Like Jeff and I, I think were the first ones to ever leave the country for BMX for Raleigh. So I was lucky to have the sponsorship I needed to be at in the race every weekend to tone my skills. But if you, but back to your question, the people I feared the most is the ones I didn't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. That had to play in that had to play into your travels overseas as well. Right. I mean, I know most of the guys traveled over to like, um, you know, overseas, um, race over there, but it, that must've even been more of those guys who you didn't know, like, being a part of that as well. I mean, was that the case with that? Too? Yeah. You know, Australia would probably be the most, I, I think we went to Australia early 1980 and um, they had, it was legit there. It wasn't, you went to gone to France and England before that. And it wasn't legit yet. It wasn't developed, but we get to Australia. It's developed, it's developed sport. The tracks are somewhat, there, there was one that was semi hell track ish. You know what I mean? It was in a junkyard and it had mm-hmm. big wooden berms. And we actually started off the top of a container. I mean, so it, it was kind of legit at the time. And the guys were pretty fast. Um, they just weren't quite, I think, at our speed or my speed. And I want to win the most. I don't think I got beat, but I won most of it when I was there. Um, but there were some really good guys. And I, and I, I became friends and I still talk to some of them now today. But not so much as the local guy when in the mid eighties, when these guys actually started kind of honing their skills in their own hometowns. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Dude, that's amazing. Yeah. You never know, man. Cruz crew shows up and you're like, man, I don't know. <laughs> um, I haven't seen a ride. Let me see. Yeah. yeah right. So, uh, you know, I kind of want to, I, I, I really want to talk. I mean, I, I, I love the BMX history. Um, you know, but, but a lot of, you know, a lot of our, our fans and, and what we're into nowadays are, are the big bikes, right. And the like big bike BMX, that's our, that's our podcast. And it's right. You know, right. We're, we're our target man. And, and what, where we've kind of found where, where our fans are is, is people like, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm, I just turned 48. Um, I found, I found a PK ripper, uh, the big ripper, um, last year. And, and then, you know, Perry's Perry's 27, five came out. And, uh, you know, I started looking at man upgrades because that's, that's kind of what we do, man. That's especially like his kids, it was like, man, you save up and, and you're going to get that. You're going to get that headset. You're going to get that DK stem or whatever back in the day. Right. And so I go into a bike shop and, you know, I'm like, I, I really want a, a, you know, a better free will. Um, I go into a bike shop and I, I see box, right. And I, I see these components. I don't know what it is. Um, you know, and then, you know, through the course of the year, uh, you know, I start hearing more and more about box and I start researching box and, um, just, just a couple of weeks ago, I met, went and, and hung out with John, uh, John Bulgens over at black mountain and box has like, like, a where every other brand had like a tent box had, uh, basically the entire, like three, they had an alley of box, right. Where, where, you know, these other brands had like their team there it looked like a trade show. It's like you took the trade show because of COVID is being gone 
and brought the trade show to the people. And do, I mean, there was just, there was kids lined up there, which made, and it made me so happy. Cause I remember being that kid that would just stare at the parts and, and just look at that stuff. Um, how, tell me, tell me about box and, and, and what, what box is up to for, especially, you know, I may know a lot about it, but if, you know, fans that are watching this and they're just getting it because the big bike scene is getting so big and it's happening, you know, it's growing leaps and bounds every night. Um, tell us about box and, and, and what you provide to BMX now, because this, to me, I think this is just as, as fascinating. Well, you know, um, let's, let's go before box, uh, in 1998, I quit racing and I started a company called THE, Toby Anderson Enterprises. And I thought I knew what I was doing. And I had a partner come in and we started developing something and he goes, what's, what's happened? What should we make? And, and I'll get into box. And I said, you know, I just lost a race by basically half a second. And I had to pull a tear off. And I know that I fumbled a little bit pulling the tear off downhill race, right? In the mud. And I go, if I had a fender and I kept the mud off my face, right? I think I probably would have won that race. So we made a fender, right? A fender for the front of my, my downhill bike, which had eight inches of travel and it looked like a motorcycle. And so that was our my first product. And I get to the very first race and I knew all the pros and I actually put their name on all these fenders thinking, okay, I'm going to get Marla Streb, Sean Palmer, whoever to, 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 to ride my fenders on a day they need it. We show up at the very first race. I have 200 fenders with all my friends' names on them, are the top pros at the time. It's a mud snow fest. So I remember I have my fender on my bike. I go to the top of the mountain. I come down in the snow, and there's a line behind my race rig for people, all the pros, put the fenders on their bike. My partner, time he just slapped them fenders with a hammer as fast as he could get them on these bikes. So usually the beginning of the year, um, the magazines and these people start shooting basically photos for the whole year for all the posters and all the stuff that we're going to do. This is the heyday of mountain bike downhill. So every poster that year had a picture from that event because it was very muddy and snowy. The background was great. And everybody had a fender on. I sold a half million fenders in about two and a half years. So I thought, I knew bike business. I thought I was a businessman. I know what I'm doing, right? One day we wake up and it's not cool anymore. It's actually cool to take your fender off your bike, not run one. Man, my business crashed, but we had to let go of people and all that. So, so back to box. So I learned from that experience, the business side of, of, cause I wasn't, you know, I was a racer for 20 years. So I started learning business real quick. Um, then I started and combined a company that I called VSI where I had multiple brands so i created a brand called signs i had the i had intense bmx we won five-time bike of the year uh my helmet won men's journal park of the year we i had several patents placed so somewhere along the line i had a partner in that one it was a korean helmet manufacturer and the guy was great to me we got along fine but he offered me some money one day and i said i'm taking it <laughs> i was out right i took the money i go what am i gonna do next and i started box that was almost 10 years ago today and people said, how do you come up with the name Box? And I go, well, I wanted three letters. I want to be the top of the alphabet. And it needs to mean something to me. Because the T-H-E was at the bottom of the alphabet. So every trade show, every depth directory, I, my brand's in the back. I want to be in the front. So I just said Box. It was trademarkable at the time. And, and anyway, so I started a company called Box with an intention to do better than what I did at the last company, which is to create things from scratch and give a technical advantage to the rider based upon my 20 years as a bike rider. What do I want? Well, I want my grips thin and I want this. 
or I want my my axle not to twist. I want these things. So this is what I went out to do. And I did it from scratch. I had the money to to build it from scratch. Where before I was kind of buying stuff out of a magazine or not magazine, a guide and put my name on them and creating these things and trying to figure it all out. And um, anyway, so Buck started born from just just wanting to be better and different than everybody else. And our slogan is be different. That's been our slogan for quite some time is to do things differently than others. So anyway, so I immediately went after the, the BMX race crowd because I knew my old company was going to wasn't going to make it unless I was there. Sorry. And I'm not boasting, but I just knew. So I went out and made this party better than what I had done before. And my customers followed me. Boom. We own BMX race. We own it literally within two years. We created 700 SKUs in two years. And part of that is the free will you're talking about, because I was trying to build a 20 millimeter rear axle bike because I had 20 millimeter in the front. And I learned that from my mountain bike career to ride a 20 millimeter front axle versus a 10 millimeter axle, completely two different bicycles. So I, I learned that as I was riding suspension and developing suspension and, and these things. And I brought that to BMX. And it was like, ah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, there's nobody rides a 10 millimeter axle in pro class anymore. This was 15 years ago when I developed that. I was trying to build the rear end to be the same. And I couldn't wrap a cassette cog or an HG cog around a 20 millimeter axle and stick a bearing in it. Hence the free wheel. I was forced to build a free wheel around the outside of a 20 millimeter axle. So I built that. I did that. And later on, we were able to figure out different options than the free wheel, but the free wheel stuck. It was a free wheel I had developed with the factory in Taiwan, and it became a very high-end free wheel, kind of for a regular price was the kind of concept, right? And we're not a wide industries by any means, but that free wheel was born out of the necessity to make the bike better and to make the bike faster. And it just happened to stick into retro, right? So the retro thing is a whole other story, but I, I think that, that that box for me is about being different. It's about making your bike go faster. It's about enjoying the ride. And in a BMX bike, you know, if you don't in a race, if you don't get your elbow out of over the other guy out of the gate, it's over, right? It's over. So how do you get your elbow in front of the other guy? You need to obviously need to start, but you need a bike that propels forward and not flexes underneath of you. And that's the concept that we we've been we've been pushing. So that's what box is about. Then we get into the mountain bike stuff, but that's another story. We can we can move on. But no, actually, that's a great, you know what? I do want to bring that up because I'll tell you this, Toby, um, you know, you'd mentioned that you started your, your, your business ventures by just saying, you know, I have a need, I'm going to make something that fits what I need right now for what I want to do or what, what environment I'm in, what, what type of bike I'm riding. And, and it took off. I mean, you sold millions or, or just tons of those fenders and stuff like that. When I, with my experience, when I found box, um, one of the things, and I, I had no clue, is run by Toby Henderson. You know, I was just looking for components that I could use to upgrade what I already had. And I had a 29 inch big bike BMX, and I wanted a braking system that was better than what I had, better than what came with the bike. So when I saw, and I'm looking at a counter, a glass countertop full of components, and I'm like, which one do I choose? I can go with this ultra high expensive. Everybody knows this, this brand uh, seems to be really nice and shiny. I can go with this or that. I was like, you know what? Let me take a look at those box brakes. Um, I started looking at the brake itself and the pads. Now the pad is what the, the pad was everything for me. 
it didn't look like a normal BMX pad. It wasn't like a cool stop, a very thick, wide pad. This one almost like, I was like, wow, that kind of looks like a hybrid between BMX and mountain bike. It's got the grooves in it. It's got individual pads with the longer pad at the end. And I'm like, this is probably going to be a good fit and fit my budget. It looked cool. It came in a set. It was the brake and the lever. Let's try it. It was a box three, I think maybe, or something similar to that. Man, I took it home, tried it out. I got it mounted up, tried it. And I'm like, this actually is way better than my expectations. I don't run anything on my <laughs> bikes as far as on my 29s, as far as brakes go that, that aren't box, you know? And so like that really grabbed me that you just said that, like I had a need, I decided to make this for me. I made it for all my friends. It works. And then here you are developing something where you're being different. You're not cookie cutter. You're not following the pattern outside the box thinking yeah. and, it, and it's working, dude. And then that's so incredible that, that you took it to that, that place. And so was that, were, were your designs really like where I was getting, and it's a long way to get around to talking about this. You mentioned mountain bike. Do you, I mean, are things created in the mindset of mountain bike that, that work for BMX or does it just happen that those things work really well for guys who ride BMX bikes, especially big ones? Well, I mean, for the mountain bike stuff, I think that's a, it's a little bit different of a path. And I, I think I was just naive enough to, to try mountain biking in a sense of where I, where it is today. So when I first started making mountain bike stuff, I started making similar stuff to BMX. I made a carbon fiber handlebar that looked nothing like anybody else's and still today it does not. It actually is kind of a knockoff of our BMX forks, which have a very unique shape and look to them, right? Somewhat legitimate as far as what it how it functions but more in the fact it's kind of sexy right so anyway i made this and, and, and during that time i got into the drivetrain side of it and my brain goes much faster and much more ideas than the team of people can handle so somewhere along the path we started getting into the drivetrain and we were struggling with it and struggling with it we were sued by the other guys i won't say any name we were sued by the other guys multiple times for patent infringement things like that and some of them being frivolous in my opinion and and so we decided at one point for mountain biking, we're going to drop the handlebars, drop the stems, which I think my stems were really sexy. I think they're completely, completely different than what a lot of people were doing. But we decided to focus on the drivetrain. And, and it's, it's, this is not an arrogant statement, but it is to some extent. I had done a tire company. I had done a helmet company. I had done a BMX complete bike company. I've done these things. What I've never done is drivetrain, which is, and I'm not an engineer, takes teams of engineers to pull this off, which I we do have. And um, I went after this. And, and the main reason why is it's a $4 billion business owned by two guys. And I want a piece wow. of it. <laughs> and yeah. so we just simply we just simply went after it in that in that respect. But we've taken our lumps along the way. Um, we, you know, pull ratios and, and, and rampings of cogs and all these things are something we've had to learn to do that. But even when I rode my mountain bike, when I raced my mountain bike, that was the weakest part of the bike was the drivetrain. I helped Shimano develop air shifting, which didn't stick, which probably is a great way to go nowadays. But my bike would flex so much, it would just shift the entire time I was riding it or going down the hill. So I never had a great drivetrain on my bike, my entire mountain bike career. But I was able to go, with, I rode for Shimano for many years, and I was able to, to follow their ramping systems and hyperglide and all the things that they had done, rapid shift and all that kind of thing. So, but for me, I mean, stuff is really good by those guys, but I, <laughs> yeah, good stuff for sure. 
Um, but I, I wanted to chase that only because it was a bigger challenge than what I had done before. And, and we're doing it. We're, we're trying, we're selling a lot of it. I have a long ways to go. Um, but I got into this side of the business and mountain biking specifically because it was some, a bigger challenge than what I've ever, I've ever tried to do before. So, and, and we're trying to be unique and be different by going nine speed. So as everybody else was going 10, 11, 12, I was following that path and realized that I don't have the resources or the cash or the people behind me to, to develop 12 or 13 speed. What am I going to do differently? And not only me, but the team at Box um, basically said, let's give modern um, um, geometry, modern uh, um, ratios to nine speeds, more durable, but modern. And that's what we're hanging our hats on. Our drivetrain going back to a nine speed chain, going back to less shifting makes our drivetrain more reliable. Um, but we still give you that 11 to 50 cog range, right? So for all the big bike guys, you know, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense to you, but on our mountain bike side, that's what we're doing. And uh, I'm kind of proud that we're doing that. And like I said, it takes a team of people much more than I to, to, to make it happen. But we're putting a dent in the guys. We're selling a lot of it. We're getting OE spec and, you know, we got our bike, our stuff on a lot of bikes in Europe. And as far as OE, when you make the OE side of the business, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty big deal when bikes are coming with your product on it. And we're, and yeah, I'm definitely. glad to say we're, we're there. So. And it's already, yeah. I mean, you can, I, I watched the, the nationals that Isaac that was out in Arizona just a few months ago. Um, most every bike I saw had box forks and box cranks on it. Um, obviously you guys are making a difference. You are game changers. Um, you know, like with design and engineering that you talked about with, you know, trying to make technology or make your components with, you know, all the modern everything, you know, technology and everything, Toby, like how hard was it to, to do that as far as, um, thinking of what the components were going to be made of comprised of, you know, did you have to like R and D a lot with your, your components? Did you have to like run them through, you know, who knows what computer programs, stuff like, like, I'm, I like the technical side of that. Like you were starting to touch on, um, because it just seems like they're just so out of the box, so different. And like how much went into like researching carbon fiber, different metallurgies or, you know, things like that. Well, you know, like I said, I'm not an engineer. I, I've been doing this now quite a long time. I think it's more that I, I, I find a proper vendor, a guy who knows carbon, um, but he doesn't know how to style it or what the reason's for. And that's pretty much, you know, what the vendors overseas are. They, they understand how to make a carbon fiber handlebar, but they don't know what, what upsweep and backsweep it should be. So I basically go into these vendors and these factories and I, I don't want to say I teach them. I basically take their, their technology, their know-how and make it modernized, bring, bring it to what a rider needs. And it's funny if you, if you pull out the TBG, you pull out the Bible of bicycle in Taiwan, the stuff is so off, off that how do you get that stuff to current dimensions. You couldn't find an 800 millimeter wide BMX or a mountain bike handlebar four years ago in that you couldn't do it. And I was making wide bars long before other people because I knew that that was the direction that things were going. Some of the tire choices I've done and rim shapes and doubling up at the nipples is just all from experience. But I think how I was able to pull that off was to find the right vendor with my idea and convince him to, to do it the way I wanted it. And funny story real quick is it, it's, 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 it's something I always remember. I wanted my logos on the rim and I wanted the eyelets to go through it. I, I know it's simple. 
multiple, multiple emails. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't put a sticker down and then put an eyelet over the sticker. Can't do it. Come on, this is not engineering by any means. So I'm in China. I go to my rim maker. It's literally eight o'clock at night. We're tired. We're driving all day long. And I go in and it's dark. I mean, it's it's literally dirt floor, one light, you know, hanging over the machine. I mean, you, you hear these <laughs> stories, right? And, and, and so we go up there and there's this little old lady and she's got a rim and her job was to rotate that rim with her foot and punch the stainless steel eyelet in the rim. So I got a sticker and I went over to a rim that was blank. I laid it on top of that on the rim and I walked over the machine and, and, and I have a, you know, a guy that drinks me around and I asked her to punch the eyelet through the, through the sticker and she does, and it doesn't work. Uh, and they're like, ha ha ha, we're right. So I pulled a pin out of my guy's pocket and I poked a hole in the sticker and asked her to do it again. Bam, I lit right through the sticker. So as they all looked at me like, you know, a year of me asking you guys, you know, I just want the sticker <laughs> to be really big because I Everybody want my get name a pack of pins. I want my name really big <laughs> and I don't want to go around all these holes with these little tiny things. Right. Anyway, so I, I have these wheels now with these big, massive stickers and the eyelets go through them. So it's just those kind of things, you know, just just going through that. And and it's just a lot of work to to get the things you want. But the, I think I depend upon the vendors know how to, to get where I want to go with my experiences. And that's simple. It's as simple as that, really. Yeah. So I, I like the simplicity. Like to me, what makes what makes. OK, so like when I went and upgraded my, my big ripper, um, I'm at the shop. And I ended up buying a, like, a, I think it was a box three um, uh, brake lever. Just, and the biggest decision I had to make was, do I want the, you know, wh- which, what's the bend that I want? Yeah. yeah. And, and you guys understand my old school friends will understand why this is such a cool thing. Back in the old days, I would have to buy a left and a right lever. I just walked in and it's, it's, it looks the same real similar when I flip it upside down. And so I didn't have to decide. And the lever's like, right. It's not like where you have to pop the lever in the middle. It just, it slides in. And I'm like, how did the, cause, cause the, the, the barrel of the brake lever just slides in the, in the, the side instead of underneath, it just goes inside, boom, flip it over. Good to go, man. I had to make no decisions. It was so simple. I didn't even know it was your company, dude, to be honest with you. I was just like, that's dope. Like, who thought of that? That's great. That's a, like somebody that rides B, someone that rides BMX made this. Like somebody gets it. That's 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 I remember telling Sean. And you, what's funny is you can if you go back on our channel, you can watch me um talk about it. And it's like one of our biggest uh most popular uploads is like you got a new big BMX bike, what do you upgrade? And well, you know, it's it's funny you say that. I think the shape of the lever is my style, something I like, and that's important. That, that's that's convincing the manufacturer to, to make the lever that way. Because if you if you didn't control that drawing, you didn't force it down their throat, you wouldn't get that shape. I forced that shape onto the factory, right? And it took multiple, multiple drawings and redrawings and all that to get the way I wanted. But how I did the flip-flop, right, was because I was making bikes in my last company and I had to basically run two SKUs side by side because in, in, in England and in Australia, your rear brakes on the left side, right? So I'm losing a shitload of money, right? Putting two brakes in a box, a running this container for the Aussies and this container for US. And I, I'm dealing with all this mess. I go, why can't we just have a lever that goes on both sides? 
It's one SKU, it's one bike, and those bikes, well, I don't care what country they go to, I'm covered. And that's where the whole flip-flop thing <laughs> came from, was just out of necessity to, to do a better job. Lever shape, yeah, that's that's me as a rider. The 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 flip-flop design is just basically, and that's one of my patents, actually, is, is the flip-flop, you know, um, what we call it. Oh, my God, I can't remember the name. We, we got a we marketing name for it, but... Um, cinch lever or something like that I forgot yeah. the name is. but don't we but talk yeah, about anyway, that all the time yeah. isaac i mean we're always like things that we find the most like friendly to us as as bikers we end up talking and then we we look at the root of where that came from it always seems to be created and designed and produced by a guy or a company that is run by someone who's been involved with someone bikes. that gets it someone that, yeah, gets, someone it that gets it i mean it's like, like from from todd lyons to john bulgen's Toby Henderson, it's like you follow back. You're like, wow, this is designed so well. This works so good and yet so simple. And you just keep following it back, right? And you're like, wow, Toby Henderson. Wow, there's John Bulchins, you know, Todd Lyons. It's, it just seems it makes, to be such a common thread. It does. It makes guys, sense. Guys with patience, uh, three of us. <laughs> because <laughs> I know people that and riders who tried to do rider-owned companies, if you don't have the patience to get the stuff right, it will drive you bananas. And you know what? A lot of it's wrong. And I want to say, I, you know, you know, in business, if you're 60% right, you're doing well. I think 90% of our stuff we, we come out with does well. If the 10% doesn't work, we just blow it out and move on. I don't, I don't want to bother me. I made a mistake. I didn't understand that guy. I, I, I listened to the fact that I should listen to my heart, whatever the problem was, we just move on. But there's guys who try to do what John and, and, and Todd and I are doing and you got to have a lot of patience because you get pushed back. Cheap, 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 cheap. No, if you turn the radius two, two more degrees that way, it costs an extra three NT, which is like 10 cents. I don't care about the 10 cents. I want the radius this way, right? So this is how we, uh, you know, if you don't have the patience to do that, you're not going to get the product you want. And and, and a lot of guys who, who walk out of the business because they don't, they don't uh, have the patience, right? So, yeah. And they're not different. You know what I mean? It's, it's the thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so when it comes to like with, with big bikes, one of the things that, that, that I'm noticing is, is like, I want to upgrade my parts. I want to upgrade my components. Um, you know, talk about your, your, your nine speed stuff. I mean, the, probably the hottest bike right now, the last month is, uh, one it's called an SE fast ripper, right? It's a, it's a big, it's a big ripper that has gears. And people love them because the biggest thing right now, ride outs. I want to ride for a long distance, man, I can shift those gears and ride whatever I want, but I'm still riding. It still feels like my BMX bike. Right. Um, you know, and, and then the other thing, so, so there's two, there's two, there's two trains or two, or two sides of a fence here. A lot of, a lot of my old school friends love them to death, but they are all about, uh, I call it like they purse up their bikes. And what I mean by that is like, Oh, Craig, should I say, it? I'm I'm just going to go here. Okay. I'm just going to say, say it. yes, say it. I'm going <laughs> to say, please, because this, my whole next conversation we're going to have is all about exactly what you're going to say. Yeah. Why I wasn't in the big bikes prior to now. Yeah. And, what I think the future of big bikes are, but I want to hear it from you first. Yeah, totally. I I'm a, I I'm it. a terrible friend because Isaac is looking at me like, should I say it? My, I will always tell him. Yes. Yeah. Go for okay. It. So, <laughs> so here, here's my thing. If you want to go and spend $600 on some bullseye pedals and, and you're in a place where you can do that, 
go go buy your six hundred dollar pedals. Right. I, on the other hand, I want to ride my bike. I and if I'm going to fall, I throw my bike. But I, my bike is a tool to me to have fun. My bike isn't something that I want someone else to look at and go, "Those are really nice hubs." Like I want to go, "Those are really like those are durable hubs." Those right. hubs have been with me. You know what I mean? Like I look at my I look at my bikes like some people look at like their old beat up Ford pickups or something where it's like, I know that I know that pickup is going to be there for me. I know it's going to get me through everything I need to get through. And then you got the other person that just wants to get an escalate and never, and never takes it, you know, or a four wheel drive lifts it up, puts all this, you know, hundred thousand dollars worth of lifted springs and never takes it off road. I'm the guy that's like, take it off road. And so that's where I kind of come from. And, I'm looking for, you know, like quality big bike components. I don't want to go and buy some bullseye hubs just because everyone says bullseye is great because, you know, I, I want to, you know, or bullseye cranks or something like that, where I'm like, I want some cranks, dude, that is going to, that's going to put up with my wall rides with my tail whips. And if I fall, I don't have to worry about my $600 pedal scratching. Right. Um, right. You know what I mean? So, so, what what would you say is your like someone like excuse me someone like me um is is box thinking about people like us that are that are cuz you have it in BMX dude but are you are you looking ahead to the future and what do you think about big bikes are you looking at you know what we can do yeah when i was talking to Craig earlier about uh earlier this week about the interview i i, I have some news i want to say but we're not ready to tell you yet but okay. I want to say that that I blew it. Big bikes are here to stay. I didn't believe it. I missed the fad. I wasn't on board um, because I thought it was going to come and go. Uh, you know, I, I skateboards came and go, and I was afraid of that. And I lost a job at Raleigh because of skateboards, fads. And I've been around the business long enough to know that corporations really are very wary of short-lived stints. Well, I was wrong. It's here to stay. I kind of like the crowd. I'm kind of enjoying the whole thing. And we can play right into it. And I've heard some people tell me box doesn't fit in the retro. And I've heard some people tell me it does. So how do I find my place in that? Well, I'm working on it. That's all I can say. <laughs> I'm working on it. I, I hear what you say for me a little bit more than what you said. It's more about technology. It's more about having a 20 millimeter hub. Because when I go to do the wall ride, when I go to do your trick, I can tell you this, that 20 millimeter front axle was way better than a 10 millimeter axle. And I don't think the other guys are thinking like that. So basically the goal is to bring what I know and race and bring it to retro. You're looking at a bunch of dudes that are now building the bikes that we just couldn't afford when we were. And, and that's, and that's, that's, you said it right there. It's funny. I was, I, I go into a few sites and Facebook pages and I, I found a guy and he had taken his bike and he had basically painted it, bronzed the whole thing, every nut and bolt and this and that, right? I saw the bike and I wasn't interested in so much the bike because I thought it was ugly, whatever. But but I wanted to know who this guy was. What makes him tick? Where does he come from? How does he make a living? What's he drive? Where does he live? Because now I'm doing my research as a business owner to see if this is a viable thing. Well, in the background, he's got his Mercedes SUV. He's got his clear front doors that open up, the glass smoke doors. He's in a moderate, you know, newer, um, you know, uh, 
track style home. And he's got his really nice concrete workout where he's got his bike. Okay. He's got 20,000 worth of concrete out front of his house. This guy spending money on his bike. He can afford it. Now that's my customer, right? Now I know that maybe a $200 pedal might be okay because this guy might find that if I make it what I think is one technologically better and two has a feel of retro. And I think that's, that's, that's the whole key to this thing to not give up on the style, not to give up on what we all live, but to bring new technology to that. And that's, that's the idea, right? You bring, you bring new, you bring new technology that reminds me of, of what I grew up on. You know what I mean? Like the, you know, it's, it's like looking like I, 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 the first time you can, you can watch the video. The first time I ride that Haro, I'm like, you guys, this is a time machine. Uh, this yeah. is, I'm, I'm going back in time. I can't believe I'm sitting here riding this bike with my kids. Uh, you know, the same, it looks exactly like I remember from 1987 and uh, you know, it, it, but, but the, the geometry was amazing, right? It, it's, it's, you know, you, you fast forward that geometry and, and everything that we've learned and, and you just mimic that style that I grew up with right. and I'm in, man. I'm like, it, Tell me how much. Yeah, dude, we we have no Name your price. We have no problem opening up the uh, wallet, right? Isaac, Isaac, and I are just like itching for that moment of like, dude. And Isaac calls me, Toby, and he's like, "Bro, you got to check this out. You got to check this out." And I'm already as soon as he's he's still talking about it, I'm already on my phone entering my card information, uh, you know, because Isaac and I we try stuff, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. But when we find something and people ask us all the time, hey, do you guys have an alternate for this? Do you have an option for this? We tell them, yeah, this is what we found. This is what we've tried. This is what we like. You know, and it seems like Isaac and I are just like fans of things that work and things that work well and things that hold up. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's what Box has been about all along, you know, reliability and technology and all that kind of stuff that, that we're kind of known about. But now, now I'm going to try to play that the look, the look that goes back. But you know, you, you know, Isaac, you said something about changing things, and 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 this is a boastful statement. But I was racing mountain bikes in '98. I got involved in BMX around 2000 pretty heavily um, for my mountain bike career, and I went to a BMX track, went to a race. It's blue groove, banked turns, and people are starting to clip in, right? So I'm like, okay. Clipless pedals, I mean, I love them. I know I, it's probably not some of you guys' thing, but I, I, everything I ride is clipless. So, but I look at the bikes, the, and the bottom brackets are still high. The knobbies are fat. And these are things that I learned as a downhiller and as a cross-country guy. You can't have big, fat lugs because they're slow. You have high bottom brackets. You can't turn. So I basically created, when I had intense, I lowered the bottom bracket, slacked the bike out, and put the fastest tire I could on that bike. We were selling... About 12,000 bikes a year and 70,000 tires a year was simple analogy walking into Reno BMX national looking down and going, why are these bikes the way they are with the track this way? And the track had evolved, but the, the equipment hadn't. And, and, and I literally was able to get five time bike of the year by changing the geometry. I mean, it was, it was that simple. And wound up selling a crap load of tires because I made a fast tire, which the Speedster is a copy of the tire, 
that I created back then, which is what all you guys, I think, run. It's the most popular tire, right? A really fast tire down the middle. Got some knobbies on the side. So when Isaac does his wall ride, he doesn't slip up, right? So that's kind of what it's all about. So anyway, I think it's just, and I really think that comes from riding. I think that really comes from me to look down after all those years of riding a bike and seeing what I need or what they needed at this point, right? Because it's not going to be me anymore. So I love it, man. I Toby, I, I told you, hey man, we'll 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 interview you, we'll get you for an hour. I've kept you a good 15 minutes past that. So uh, you know, man, I, I I can't wait to see what you do. And and uh more than that, I mean, just just getting to know you as a business person and the way that you think. Um, I liked box before, but now I'm really in the box. I'm like <laughs> Because, well, you know, it's it's one of those things where, man, you get it, you understand us, you're one of us, and and you want the same things that, that we all want. You know, you want a quality part that's going to be there for you. So I don't have to think about my bike. I can think about the trick. I can think about that turn. I can think about clearing that double. And, and once I don't have to worry about the parts and think about that kind of stuff, and I just go, it, it just takes, it takes all that stress out of it. And it just brings more fun to my bike riding experience. And literally that's what I'm into, man. I'm not, my midlife crisis is my bike. I'm not out there buying Harleys and, and, you know, put myself in danger like that. I'm, I'm going on Sunday afternoon bike rides with my kids and I'm getting them off video games. And, and, you know, you play, you play a role in that because you, you make riding my bike more enjoyable just by the little things like, you know, the simplicity of your, your lever design makes it easier for me to ride a wheelie and, and feather my brakes. And it's just something as simple as that. So thank you for your contribution <laughs> to BMX, man. I really got to tell you, I, I, I love it, man. And, and I appreciate it. Well, I thank you, but it's actually kind of easy. So, you know, I eat, sleep and breathe it. So it's an easy, an easy job. And I, I'm actually very fortunate to be in this position. I got to say it. And it's guys like you that, that, that keep me here and put me here. So, you know, thanks. So. Yeah, and and I'm going to continue to uh, I'm going to continue to preach to Todd uh, that we do need to see a, <laughs> a, a Henderson Holler at some point. Uh, on you know, a, I got a big back, back on that, right, dude. Yeah, I, I will always second that for you, just for you, dude. <laughs> yeah. dude Todd, so we, make a Henderson Holler for for Isaac and uh, his army of one uh, one that he's so yeah, vocal yes. about. I <laughs> yeah, I. I love it. I love, I, I, if that happens, man, I I'm going to, that's going to be my personal win and my gift to BMX, man. You guys can have that, that Henderson Holler moment that I had Christmas morning years ago. So cool. Craig, Craig, uh, any, any last questions? No, you know what? I, I definitely want to say, Isaac, you know, one of the things that you just mentioned, like the whole bike experience, you want it to be about whatever you're, you're doing, right. It's, it shouldn't be about like, is, you know, is my day going to be, taken away from me because I don't have a quality this or a reliable this on my bike, you know, and that seems like it happens sometimes. I do a lot of ride outs, Toby, and it's, you know, not saying that parts don't break and parts don't, you know, wear out and things like that, but it's all about the experience. I mean, I just love the way Isaac put that. I love the fact that, you know, you said that, you know, things at box are all about being different, be different, you know, thinking about new, new things, uh, and bringing that to guys like Isaac and I, and yourself who, you know, I'm sure you still enjoy riding bikes and you, and you 
definitely know the feeling of, of getting out there and having a good time, man. So I just, I want to say thanks to you and, and, and for what you're doing at box and, you know, with all that experience and, and giving something back that others can enjoy too, because you're doing something, uh, that you find enjoyable. You're doing something to, to bring quality and to bring reliability and technology, uh, and keep it in our sport. And, and I just want to say thanks for that, man. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure a lot of other folks, you know, do as well. Yeah, uh, I think, thank you. And I, I guess a lot of people do because we sell a lot of stuff. So there you go. <laughs> That's a amazing. Stuff, especially lately. <laughs> well, I can't wait. I can't wait to buy some more. I can't wait to see what you do with big bikes. Thank you so much, uh, you know, for hanging out with us tonight and for sharing your history, your past and uh, giving us a little bit of a teaser of the future. I'm looking forward to hearing more about this. So uh, Craig, why don't you send us out, brother? You got it, buddy. Hey, man, I want to say, first and foremost, uh, a huge thank you uh, to our special guest tonight, Toby Henderson, for showing up, for for giving us all this wonderful insight to what's going on with him, his past, what's going on with box uh, components and and everything that they're doing uh, at, at Box. So, Toby, thanks again for showing up, for hanging out with us, man. We had such a good time. Isaac, thank you. Uh, I'm going to give a special shout out as well to Mike Buff for uh, introduce, introducing us and giving us uh, uh, Toby's contact because without Mike, uh, this would have been a, a little bit harder to, to accomplish. And, and I'm so glad Mike uh, yeah. made that recommendation. Who's that Isaac guy that shout keeps stalking Mike Buff. me? Yeah. <laughs> shout out Mike Buff, because if not, it would have been like, who's this Isaac guy that keeps stalking me? Gosh. Yeah, man, who is that dude? Um, <laughs> But let's also thank everybody who showed up here at Big Bike BMX. We want to thank all the listeners, everybody who showed up into the live chat tonight, everybody who's listening on on a streaming podcast um, at Spotify, Apple Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, whatever you listen to. We want to definitely thank all you guys for showing up. If you haven't done it yet, please subscribe, leave a comment, let Toby know what's going on. Hit up Toby uh, through Box, uh, send him an email if you got any ideas of what's going on. Tell me and Isaac uh, what you thought about the show and, and what you want to see more of. Uh, and we definitely want to make that happen for you. I want to thank our sponsors for the show, Night Bike Company, uh, Phoenix Bike Co., uh, JT Racing, Etnies, Old Bones Therapy, Crush BMX, and a special shout out, um, we haven't done it in a while, to Diamond Field for the uh, theme music for our show. So thanks to all those folks. And uh, Isaac, man, I had an awesome time. Thanks, Toby. Thanks, guys. My pleasure. Bye-bye.